It's not too late. Amen. Do you know, in fact, the title of my message this morning is Reconciler and Restorer. God is a God of reconciliation, and he's a God of restoration. And, and, And the reason for that is because he loves us, and he wants us in right relationship with him. He wants us, amen, to know him intimately and to... To, to continually be encountering his presence, amen, and be, be effective in our lives and in, in, in the things that he's called us to do. So we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Anyone in Christ this morning, are you born again? Most of you, good. And we're going to pray the rest of you do before the end of the service. If If anyone is in Christ, you're born again, your life is hid with Christ in God, amen? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen, that's true. I didn't say whether you felt like it or not, I'm just saying this is is true. Amen, new creation life is yours. It's mine. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Old things have passed away. Gone. All things have become new. Now, is that your experience? Have you got any hitchhikers that are still hanging on? Do you have any attitudes, amen, that, that maybe you had before you were saved, and maybe they're not quite so bad, but they, they still raise their head once in a while? Do you still battle some things that you had to battle before you were born again? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, amen, the key is to knowing who we are, where we live, Amen, and, and who we serve. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things become new. This is a judicial, prophetic word that's been decreed and declared over every one of our lives. This is what's available. This is the high water mark. Amen. And then the rest of our life, we have kind of what we call a sanctification process where those hitchhikers are removed. Those things that we trip over, those things that hinder us, those things that we haven't quite let go, those things that maybe we didn't even know we had to let go, maybe besetting sins or, or, or weights that we carry because they've been so ingrained in our personality and, and in our makeup, we think we're inseparable from them. But that's not true. It's all been passed, all things are passed away. All things have been made new. We have new creation life. He says, now all things are of God. Do you believe that for your life? Well, you don't know what I went through this week. You can't tell me God's in that. This guy, Paul's radical, isn't he? Huh? Right into the Corinthian church, nonetheless, and saying this stuff. He said, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. There's that word, reconciliation. He's a reconciler. He's a restorer. Amen. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He wants us to help other people be restored and be reconciled to God. Amen. Through through, through, through the the restoration and reconciliation process in our own lives, he wants us to sow that, amen, so that others encounter the same thing. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled. In other words, he won't waste anything in our life. All things are working together for good if we love him, if we, if we hang on to him, we love him, amen, and he'll bring about his redemptive purposes in it. He won't necessarily send things in our lives, but the things that we face in life, the things that we go through, the trials, the tests, the tribulation, he said, we will have them. 
Amen. He said, but you'll never have to go through them alone. And I'll bring about a redemptive perspective that you will see things that you've never seen. You'll encounter me in ways you would have never encountered. You'll see my heart. You'll see my provision. You'll see my miraculous power and deliverance through it all. Amen. He doesn't say we won't go through it. He says, I'll give you everything you need to get through it, though. That word reconciled. He said that we've been reconciled to himself. We've been reconciled to God through the redemptive act on the cross. It means to change from enmity or being an enemy to a friend. To reconcile with regard to relationship between God and man, the use of this And the connected word shows that primarily reconciliation is what God accomplishes, exercising his grace towards sinful man on the grounds of the death of Christ in the propitiatory or atoning sacrifice under the judgment due to sin. In other words, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in paying the price for our sins on the cross that provides atonement and reconciliation and allows us to come boldly before a throne of grace and encounter God anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Amen? He's removed the sin barrier that separated us from him. He's removed the sin barrier. And now there is access, the veil of the temple has been rent. And now, not just a high priest can enter in, but we are invited into the very throne room, the very presence of God. We've been reconciled. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's the, that's the message Amen, that we're to have. Be reconciled with God. Amen, God loves you, man. He wants you back. He wants you back. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ with this message. We are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see the urgency in Paul's voice. As he writes to the Corinthians, he's he's pleading with them, listen, be reconciled to God. There's a better way. There's a better way. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You've heard me quote that several times. It's one of my favorite verses. He made him who knew no sin to become sin, a sin offering for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you know you're the righteousness of God this morning? Doesn't matter what you feel like. This is judicial truth that took place because of the faithfulness of Jesus in your life. You will never be judged whether you can get into, whether you have eternal life or not, based on sin, if your life is hid with Christ in God. Rewards will be handed out. But if your trust is totally in the provision through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ and not in your own goodness and your own faithfulness, amen, you have eternal life. You know, the devil wreaks havoc with people with shame. With guilt, with condemnation. And this, this is why I, I, I want to I emphasize this morning that God is, is, a, is a reconciler. We've been reconciled to him. He's a restorer. No matter where we're coming from, what we've done, what we, what we, there's a way back. There's a way home. Amen? In Psalm 51, in verse 1, David, after being confronted with Nathan the prophet, you remember when he fell into sin with Bathsheba? 
She was taking a bath one night on a roof. I don't know why you take baths on your roof, but she was taking a bath on a roof. And David's palace was higher than, than, than her home, and he saw her. And I, and I believe there was, that it wasn't just a lustful attraction to a beautiful woman. I believe there was an attraction to, to an inner beauty and an anointing that, that they both had. Her husband was one of David's mighty men, one of the most faithful mighty men. Amen. Uriah the Hittite. And, and, and he wouldn't have just married anybody. There was, it was, they were a special couple, and I think there was an attraction there. And David fell. He fell into sin. And in Psalm 51, we kind of see the fallout of that. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. David is appealing to the loving kindness of God because of the guilt, because of the shame. Now, he, when Nathan the prophet told him that he was the man, he gave him that parable about the sheep. I'm, I'm not going to go into all that, but when, when, when he looks at David and he points his crooked prophetic finger in David's face and said, you're the man. David said, what, what, he said, what should be done to this man? And David said he should be killed. And he said, well, you're the man. God didn't pronounce the judgment on David that David would have pronounced on that other man. You see, the mercy of God. David tasted of the mercy of God. And he cries out, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Don't deal with me according to my sin, but deal with me according to your loving kindness. Deal with me. God, let your love determine. Let your love determine your mercy over my life. He says, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He's, he's asking God, he's repenting in the depths of his heart for forgiveness. He says, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is what a repentant heart looks like. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. It's something we can't shake. Have you ever had something you struggled with, a besetting sin, and you just can't shake it? I mean, it just keeps reoccurring. David said, I want you to get to the root of this thing. I want you to go deep in my heart. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to be plagued by this anymore. Any, any, any more in my life. He said, listen, I acknowledge my transgression. It's always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. I mean, he's struggling with the weight of this sin in his life. Behold, you desire truth in our inward parts, and in our hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He knew prophetically of the atoning work that was available and that would one day come, and he's crying out for that, to be forgiven and to be cleansed. He says, make me, hear, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Another psalm says, I, I, I washed my, I wept my bed with tears. My bones, they, 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 here he says, they, they, they feel like they're broken under the weight of this sin. Sin is a, one of the most destructive forces in the universe. It's, probably, it's the most destructive force. It's the only thing that can keep us from, from heaven. It's the only thing that can keep us from the kingdom. If we refuse to repent and accept the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we exercise our free will, and we stiff-arm God, we've just received a death sentence. This is how powerful it is. David was feeling the weight of that. God says, but listen, I'm a restorer. I'm a reconciler. I can make a way back. I have made a way. In our, in our generation, he has made a way back through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, look, make me hear joy and gladness. That's what goes when you're in a besetting sin. When you're struggling with something that, that, that's not of God, that God wants out of your life, that, that what goes, joy goes. 
gladness goes. It says that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Put me back together, Lord. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I love that prayer. I pray that myself. God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. God, I've got to have you. I've got to have your presence. I've got to encounter your love. I've, I've got to have that joy. I've got to have that gladness. I've got to have that zeal for life again. And look, verse 12 is the one I'm after. Restore to me. It means he's tasted it. He's had it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. God is a God of restoration. He will restore in your life and in mine the things the canker worm has eaten, the things that the palmer worm has destroyed. Amen. In Joel 2, you see that there was destruction over the land and, and judgment over the land. And God says, I'm going to restore it all. And the former and the latter rain is going to come. And I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit upon you. And there's going to be restoration. You know, even I'm, I'm studying Ezekiel now and going through the prophets, you, it can be a little overwhelming when you see the magnitude of the judgment that's being prophesied of. We're, we're no different in this country right now. Amen? I, I don't want to get off track here, but when I, when I see the magnitude of, of the judgment, but every time in, in these prophets, he brings us back to the statement, you know, I sent prophets to you morning after morning, after morning. I sent preachers to you morning after morning, evening after evening, and you still rebelled. You didn't listen. You, 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 tu- you turned to idolatry. You turned to the, 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 the idols of other nations. You wanted to be like other nations. In other words, he time and time and time again, he, he sent forth his heart for them. He reached out for them. He loved on them and, 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 and showed them how to get back, and they refused. And so finally, his last act of mercy was judgment. And then he said, in this, I didn't want it to get this far. I didn't want it to have to go here. But in this, you will come back to me. The heart of God to restore, the heart of God for reconciliation, even in judgment, that was his heart. That was his purpose. There isn't anything that we can go through that God isn't desiring to bring us closer to him. Free us up. And bring us closer to him. Amen? Amen. Restore to me. (laughs) Anybody need some restoration this morning? Need some reconciliation. Amen? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The joy of an intimate relationship with you and walking with you and and knowing, amen, that I've got new creation life in me, that old things are passed away and all things have become new. Knowing I have a mission, I I have a mandate, amen, I have a design and a destiny to be a minister of reconciliation. Amen? That that isn't just for preachers. That's for everyone that bows the knee to Jesus. In Psalm 23 and verse 3, very familiar psalm, he goes, he restores my soul. Amen. There's nothing greater than the restoration of our souls. Is your soul restored this morning? God is a reconciler and a restorer. That's his heart for you. I'm going to close in Luke chapter 15. Don't think it's going to be super quick because it's the whole chapter. But Luke chapter 15. I just wanted to kind of set you up to think, wow, he's winding down already. There's some things that, and this is a very familiar chapter. And uh, I I, I love this. And and I love the way Luke, uh, it's bits and pieces of it are in other gospels. But Luke puts it all together in a way that I really like it here. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. The good news is there isn't, it isn't Psalm 119 with a million verses. Amen? And we're going we're gonna to move through it fairly quickly. 
But he says, look at the crowd that gathers with Jesus. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. They, they were attracted to him. Now, if God was a mean God who didn't love, who didn't want to restore, and didn't want to reconcile, why would these people be attracted to him? All the sick, all the afflicted, tax collectors, were, which were viewed in, 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 in their culture worse than sinners. Tax collectors, sinners, drew near to hear him. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them. Hey, I know some sinners that are great cooks. <laughs> I'll eat with them. <laughs> Amen. We're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. I just soon do that over a good steak. <laughs> Amen. But he even eats with them. He was... He was being accused of, of, of entertaining publicans, sinners, eating with them, talking with them. What was he doing? He was loving on them. He was, trying to, he was trying to reach past their hurt, trying to reach past their pain, reach past their rejection, and, 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 and affirm that they mean something to him, that their life is valuable. Amen. It has purpose. It has design. And he was reaching. He, he said, those that are whole don't need a physician. Amen? So he, he always reached out to the down and out. And the Pharisees and the scribes were supposed to be learning how to do this instead of isolating themselves from them. And you know, the church has become very pharisaical over the years. Hence the problem with this country. We built a subculture and had nice fellowship with people that we love and that see things the way we do, and we never really engaged the culture that was around us until the enemy took it over. And now decade upon decade upon decade, he's been sowing in, amen, to educational systems, the political systems, the entertainment world, amen. He's been, been taking control of, the, of, of mainstream media, all the spheres of influence in this country for years and years. And I remember Dave Wilkerson, I remember other prophets coming up and warning the church, say, listen, you got to rise up. You got to come against this. You got to begin to pray. You got to enter our culture. You got to be the light. Amen. You got to be the salt. Don't create this subculture where you're happy because you will be removed. Amen. This is what the Pharisees were doing. They had, they had created a subculture of, of, of the religious elite. And they couldn't associate with tax collectors. They couldn't associate with sinners. They couldn't associate with publicans or the sick. They'd walk on the other side of the road. They totally became so consumed with their religious elitism, and it wasn't like that at the beginning, but they became so consumed with it, amen, that, that they, they lost sight of their mission and purpose. Oh, we can't do that, folks. We can't do that. I believe God's raising up a people in, in, in this country right now that are beginning to see that a spirit of deep spirit of repentance is coming over the church, and we've been beginning to cry out for God for another chance to re-engage, amen, to re-engage and begin to make a difference. And, 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 I, and I think the best is yet to come. It's gonna be, it, may, it may get worse first, but God is not done, amen? But we can't hide our heads. We can't can't just, you can't just run together and, and, and just stick our head in the sand. It's, the ostrich theology doesn't work. Amen? We did it for too many years. He said, I've given you a ministry of reconciliation. I'm a restorer. And I, I'm giving you, and the only way this is going to work, if you take that mandate, you take that ministry that I've given you and you use it. Amen? So these gathered around Jesus, and he spoke this parable to them, saying, this is how he addressed the Pharisee's heart when he says, the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. He said, so he, so he told them a story. He spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, 
if he loses one of them, does not leave the 90 and 9 in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Big party, because the sheep was found. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. This is the heart of God being revealed. Amen? He's saying, listen, number one, what we're seeing here is, is a prophetic picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd, amen? The, the thing that was lost here is the sheep. And notice that the, it, the sheep originated in a fold. It, it isn't necessarily talking about just unbelievers. The sheep was in the fold. It wandered off. Sheep are horrible to take care of. I watched, I, we, my wife and I went to the fair, and we got some folks in the school that enter sheep and they compete. They did real good. But boy, did they have their hand full. I thought, no wonder he calls us the sheep of his pasture. Man, they wanted to run off. They were bucking up in the air. These kids were hanging on for their dear life. Dad had a hole of one. Mom had a hole of one. And, and these the ones that were the good and that won. And, and I'm like, man, is that worth it? They are fighting. And I go, Lord, is that what we're like? I'm just drawing these parallels as I'm looking because several times in the scriptures, we're the sheep of his pasture, we're the sheep of his hand, we're the sheep. No, man, we got to have a good shepherd. And, and, and this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the good shepherd does. It doesn't matter how wild they Sheep want to wander. They want to go their own way. They have no perception of danger. I read that book. It was the 23rd Psalm. I, uh, Keller, Philip Keller wrote. He was, a, he was a sheep herder. And he had revelation on Psalm 23, being a sheep herder. I go, oh, my word. He wrote a whole book on it. It wore me out. I started praying for the Lord to have mercy. Rod, staff, all that in Psalm 23 means something. But this shepherd loved the sheep so much, he left the 90 and 9 and went for the one that was in trouble. If you're in trouble this morning, he'll come get you. And if you can't make it back on your own, he'll throw you on his shoulders and he'll carry you back. And man, it will be party time. All heaven will rejoice. See, the devil wants you to live in shame, wants you to live in defeat, wants you to live in condemnation, not be able to lift up your head. God says, no, we're going to party. When I get you home, there's going to be celebration. When I get you home, there's going to be rejoicing. Amen. Don't let the devil heap shame on you and condemnation on you. In verse 8, we see another picture. First, we see the good shepherd. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses a coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now, this, this is the, it's, it's that nurturing aspect of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the type of the Holy Spirit. They, they lit a lamp. Amen? Lit a lamp. Swept the house. You know, sometimes our houses need to be cleaned. Look at, the, look, at the, look at the value he puts on. Look at the value he puts on the person, though. He calls them a coin in this story. God values you. He said, this woman, she just... Now, she had nine other coins... But this was valuable enough so that she, she lit a lamp, she swept the house, went into early spring cleaning, amen, to try to find that other coin. It's the type of the Holy Spirit. Man, he'll come in and he'll clean up the house. He wants you to know you're valuable. So he'll clean you up. 
Amen. He'll come in and he'll begin to convict and he'll begin to point some things out and the Holy Spirit will begin to say, you know what? Your life would be a lot better if you just get rid of this. Your life would be, you know, if you don't have to deal with this attitude, if you don't have to have bitterness, you don't have to have unforgiveness, you don't have to live in offense, you'd be so much freer. You've been asking for gladness. You've been asking for joy. You've been asking for peace. Well, let's just sweep out a few things. Amen. Let's sweep the house clean and we'll find some value in here. We'll find that coin that's been lost. We'll, we'll find that which is, has, has, been, has been misplaced, which has been lost in your life, and we'll bring restoration. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found a, the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner whose house has been swept. Amen. Who comes home. Amen. Where the, 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 the restoration of that value has been redeposited in their life. And then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, give me, that's his first prayer. Amen? You're going to see two prayers of this prodigal son. Here's the first one. Father, give me. Any of you have had kids, you're well acquainted with that prayer. <laughs> father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. He didn't want to hold back. His heart was to give. The, the responsibility of these two boys is the stewardship of what's given. The issue isn't, does the father want to hold back? Does he not want to give? Does he, no, he wants, to, he wants to bless. And then not many days after, in verse 13, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country where he wasted his possessions with prodigal living, or riotous living. He blew his inheritance. Notice he had to go to a far, far country. He had to get out of father's house to be able to do this. That's why we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's why we need each other. Amen. We have a strong city. He had the full provision of the other brother. He had the full provision of the father. But when he joined himself to another country, it's a type of, 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 of looking to the world and the things that attracts and the things that you think will bring satisfaction in your life apart from God whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be pornography, whether it be relationships, whatever, whatever it is that you think has an appeal and you'll just be happy if you, can, if you can do that. Well, apart from God, none of that exists. Joy doesn't exist. Peace doesn't exist. And so he journeyed to a far country. In other words, he fell way down. I think that's why... He talks so much about this in Luke. But here we're seeing how the father deals with someone who has, has wasted, squandered, blown everything that he gave him. We see the father's heart. But when he had spent all, in verse 14, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Everybody say, joined himself. Because verse 15 says, Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He didn't go, he didn't go back to Father's house. He's still trying other ways. Trying to connect. Trying to get restoration. Trying to, trying to get the things back that he squandered. So he joined himself, trying to get his peace, trying to get his joy, to a citizen of that country, and they sent him to feed the pigs, the swine. This road isn't working for him. 
He would have gladly, he had reached a place in verse 16 where he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. He, he was so hungry, he would, he, he would gladly eat what the pigs were eating. Have you ever fed pigs? Have you ever seen their food? I, I never really desired that. Amen? You got to be pretty bad off. But see, it was in that place, in that absolute low place, the place of starvation, the place of lack, the place of brokenness, the place of shame, the place of guilt and condemnation. He said in verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? The heart of the father, he's beginning to remember. What home was like. How much Father loved him, the provision that he had, the blessings that he lived under. Even the servants had bread enough to spare. They had leftovers, and I perished with hunger. I will arise and go to my Father's house and will say to him, amen, this is what repentance is. I will arise, we arise, we go back to the Father. God, I messed up. God, heal my heart. Forgive me. Amen. There's always a way back. Forgive me for what I've done. Root this thing out of my life. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to be tempted there anymore. I don't want to live. I got to have the joy of my salvation. I got to have my gladness back. I got to, I, I got to know that I'm in right relationship with you, that our relationship's been restored. He said, I will arise and go to his father's house and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's repentance. He confessed it. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son, still living under the shame. Second prayer of the prodigal, make me like one of your hired servants. First prayer, give me. Second prayer, do a work in my life. Second prayer, make me. Make me as one of your hired servants. I'm not worthy to be called the son. Amen. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been so low and felt like you failed God so bad or someone that you love or you care about so bad that you don't even know if there's a way back? Amen. We'll arise and go back to Father's house, confess it, say, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to do this. God, I know you're the answer. Fill me with what I need to have. God, give me your grace. Give me your mercy. Give me your insight. Make me into your image. Make me like one of your hired servants, he says. Father had different plans. So he rose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. The father had what? Compassion. He didn't say, oh, here's that low life that took my inheritance and wasted it. Here's that low life. Mean, this is his mother's, mother's son. You think he's getting back in and trying to get the rest of what I have? You think I'm going to accept him? But that's not the Father's heart. See, sometimes we project these things on God. Like God would never have us back. No, we've gone too far. We're too low. We're, 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 we're desiring pig's food, and God's going God's to restore me? God's going to reconcile me? God's going to... No, it said he had compassion on him. You know what I think? I think dad went out in that driveway every day. And he looked down that driveway. Maybe today's the day my son will be home. He's not going to walk with him in sin. He's not going to go there. 
Amen? But he says, maybe this is the day. And every morning he gets up and he looks. And every night he goes out after it and he looks. Is today the day my, my boy's coming home? And the Bible says he was moved. He was filled with compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. Can you imagine being the son? What do you think you're going to hear when you think you've got to go back to beg to become a servant? He fell on his neck. I don't think he smelled too good. He probably didn't look good. Probably hadn't showered in a while. Probably pretty scrawny. He had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. This is God's heart for you this morning. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The reality is none of us are worthy. Our worthiness is in the atoning work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. So much prophetic significance here. Robe of righteousness, the restoration that's beginning to take place as he begins to reveal his heart for his son. Bring out not just any robe. Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Well, don't you think he should take a shower first? Don't you think he should get cleaned up? Don't you think he should shave? Don't you think he should go get the best robe? Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. It's the restoration process. Signet ring, family ring, restored to relationship with Father. Sandals on his feet, his mandate and purpose restored. Ministries restored. Bring the fatted calf. The kid's too skinny. Man, go get that, that fatted calf and let's kill it and let's eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, he said. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. Party again. Whether it's a lost sheep, whether it's a lost coin, whether it's a lost son, here you see the heart of the Father. You see the, Holy you see the Holy Spirit with the coin. You see the heart of Jesus as the good shepherd. Now you see in the heart of the Father. Amen. And then they began to celebrate. They began to party. And said, then his older brother was in the field, and he came, and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come home. Amen, your brother's come. And because he has re received him safe. Notice the word receive. The father received him. He'll receive you. He'll receive me if we come. He received him safe and sound. And your father has killed the fatted calf. Now this is the older brother. He says, but he was angry and would not go in. He's mad. He goes and he wastes all this provision, all the inheritance, and then they celebrate. I'm going to show you the, the danger of what I call the older brother theology. Therefore, his father came. What did the father do to the older brother? Well, you got this religious, self-righteous issue, then just go. No. He came and he pleaded with him. He came out and he pleaded with him. In verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. I've been faithful. I never left. I didn't squander the inheritance. And you've never done anything like this. 
But as soon, notice this, he wouldn't even acknowledge him as his brother. But as soon as this son of yours, he didn't say as soon as my brother came home, as soon as this son of yours came, he has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. It shows you that he doesn't know what spirit he's of. He doesn't understand the mandate. He doesn't understand the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. In every other context, they're celebrating, but not him. Now listen to verse 31. A lot of times people blow over this, but this is critical. Verse 31, he said to him, this is the father speaking, son you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. You're always with me. And all that I have is yours. In other words, you've had access to all that I am and all that I have your whole life and you've never used it. You've never understood it. You've never incorporated it in your life. You never availed yourself to it. He went and he spent his the wrong way, but he got a revelation. He got an understanding. Hey, it's better in Father's house. I'm going home. You never left Father's house and don't know what you have and don't know who I am. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now remember, he spoke this to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the Pharisees. You know what that got him? I think these are pretty clear illustrations of the heart of the Father, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit searching us out, the good shepherd, amen, coming after us. How God wants restoration, how God wants reconciliation, how God wants us with him, amen, and encountering his joy. This made them extremely angry to the point that they eventually crucified him. They were with him all the time and didn't know it. Couldn't join the celebrations. Couldn't join the parties. This is when he really hit those that were complaining. What did the son do? He complained. He eats. He's, he's wasted his inheritance. He's done that. What did the religious do? He's friends with publicans and sinners and he eats with them. He pleaded with him. God ever pled with you? Yes, me. I'm glad he did. Sometimes, it, you know, we can be hard nuts to crack. Amen? But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's not done with you. No, where you, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what your history is, what your past is, where you've been, what you've done, just keep moving towards Father's house. If you need it, repentance, repentance is unto life. The church has made that a dirty word. Man, there's never a time that I feel closer to God than after I've just thoroughly repented about something. You instantly feel the healing and the restoration and the reconciliation with God when when God shines the light on something in our life and, and, and we say, oh man, this is hindering my walk. This is, this is messing with my life. This is robbing me of the life that God is trying to give me. And man, when I repent from that, when I begin to see it instantly, you, 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 the manifest presence of God and the reconciliation and the restoration. Yeah, you, sometimes you got to fight through some shame. You got to Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I don't need the enemy to beat me up. I will. Amen? You've got you to you watch that. 
self-condemnation. I had mastered that weapon until God began to bring deliverance in my life. So he's calling us home. And if you're a prodigal, whether you're watching online or whether you're here today and you just feel like, man, I'm in that stage where I'm just not worthy to be called a child of God. Well, you are because of what he's already accomplished in your behalf. He's got the best robe for you. He's got a ring for your finger. He's got sandals for your feet. And he's got a party to celebrate your homecoming. Let's stand together this morning. The worship ministry would come. Thank you, Lord. You know, God is building something with you and I. It's called this kingdom. Amen. And He's desiring His kingdom to be expressed in the earth, to permeate every strata of our culture and society. For kingdom reality and truth, for the ministry of reconciliation to be released. It's been mandated. God's, God's releasing the ministry of reconciliation and restoration in and through his people. He's, he's activating it in our lives. And giving us opportunities to reach out to those that are hurting and broken and lost. They might not know the way back to Father's house. Man, we need to come alongside and help them there. And, and don't let the devil tell you they don't really want it. I've found most people that you talk with, they really do. You'll get a few that won't, that will you know, blow you off or whatever. But it's amazing how many people are looking for life. Amen? Amen? I mean, they're really looking for it. God's the life giver. If you need healing and restoration, in your life this morning, whether it be with the Lord or whether it be with a spouse, family member, children, co-worker, friend, if you need healing and restoration, I want to pray with you this morning. If maybe in your heart you've wandered away from Father's house a bit, maybe not as far as this prodigal, but you've started to become cynical or bitter, or maybe there's a little root or, or spirit of offense or bitterness that's, that's in your heart for, for some reason. Man, let's just go to Father's house. Let's lay it all at the foot of the altar this morning. And let the restoration power of the Holy Spirit begin to set us free. Amen? I guarantee You'll have joy. You'll have gladness. You'll have peace where you've had shame or where you've been, been complaining because you, you've had this bitterness or unforgiveness. God wants to rearrange our vocabulary so that we speak life. Amen? I got convicted last week about that. My attitude when I came into church last week wasn't good. This is a confession of a preacher. I was ticked. Some of you guys, I feel bad you were around me. I wasn't ticked at you, but you could tell I was ticked. You were very gracious. Had to repent. That didn't get me anywhere. Had to go back to Father's house. Had to reconnect with Father's heart. Otherwise, I got nothing to say. 
the rest of the week, especially Sunday morning. Amen. Don't anybody ask me what I was mad about. I'm not going to go there. Preachers need to know how to repent too. I praise God for restoration, for reconciliation. And I just want you to know that it's available for you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, you see each one here today. And I, God, I believe if we're all honest, we all have our struggles. There's certain things that just grade us the wrong way. There's certain things that make us come in touch with some of the baggage that we've yet to let go through the atoning work of your son. God, I pray for each one here today that we would live free from offense until the day of Jesus Christ. God, any bitterness, any unforgiveness, God, we just release it in the name of Jesus. God, we embrace you. We embrace your heart. We repent from those things that would keep us from drawing close to you. And God, we want to we wanna be in the parties that you're throwing as, as people that we come in contact with, people that, that we minister the ministry of reconciliation and, and see the power of the gospel operating in their lives. God, as they are restored, God, we want to celebrate with heaven. God, change our hearts and our attitudes towards certain people or certain things that, God, we just don't want to associate with. God, give us your heart. God, give us your heart for the modern-day Pharisees and scribes and God, those that are bound, those that are trapped, God, give us your heart. Help us to bring life to the situation. God, help us to be ministers of your life, of your compassion, of your goodness and your faithfulness. God, help us to interpret our circumstances and situations and, and the things that we face differently. Help us to see them from your vantage point. God, give us the heavenly perspective. God, what we're asking is for some heaven on earth. God, we're asking for your kingdom to come and the will of heaven be done in each one of our lives for your glory. God, if there's anyone here that feels distant from you, whether in this building or watching online, God, I pray that they see with clarity the way home. I pray that they would see that you're running after them, that your arms are open wide. You're calling for the best road. For the signet ring, one of authority and power, all the family privileges of being a child of yours. God, new shoes, testifying of a fresh walk, a fresh start with you. God, bring them home, love on them. Restore them. Reconcile them, we pray in Jesus' name. And God, I know that parents here have been believing for their children. God, that we've got prodigal children here that are represented by loving parents that want to see them come home. God, we pray for them this morning. God, that they would encounter your goodness. God, repentance comes not by, by a religious spirit, not by pointing out everybody's sin to them, but repentance comes when people encounter your goodness. 
the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. God, I pray that these children would encounter your goodness, that they would encounter your love. God, that they would get the revelation this morning, there's room in Father's house. And God, that a new prayer would be birthed in their heart. God, as they look to you, Lord, to make them. into what they were designed to be. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness in this. And God, I'm believing you for testimonies, for testimonies to come forth in these families. Testimonies for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.